I want to just uh, ask you, and I don't, I don't need a show of hands or anything, but how many of you feel like you've just kind of come here today and you feel pretty exhausted? You might even consider yourself, I am at this point, just kind of enduring life. I have taken a beating. I've got more questions than answers. And uh, there's just some uncertainties that exist in my life that I feel like I am barely making it. Perhaps I'm just surviving. And really, life has enough perplexities and mysteries to make it miserable. Unless you know how to go from surviving to thriving. You may think that life has kind of handed you a bag of lemons and you're like, well, how is it that, that like you make lemonade from lemons? If you don't know how to answer that question, life becomes very dark. It seems discouraging, depressing, unless you know how to go from surviving to thriving. And that is why the passage we're going to look at today is so critically important. If you've never really spent time in it, perhaps these verses are missing and they will be the difference once you put them into practice. So how do you move from surviving to thriving in the midst of all the, the certain uncertainties of life? And what we're going to see in verses 1 through 6 is that we need to learn how to move forward by faith. And what he's going to do, Solomon, the human author that God used to write this book, is going to begin by giving you some financial advice. He is going to start moving into the realm of your finances and what you do with them to have you start considering every aspect of life and how do you move forward. So let's take a look, beginning in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. And you're thinking, like, what in the world does that mean? That is, that is so confusing. Cast your bread, waters. I mean, like, if I threw bread on the water, I mean, it'd get soggy, right? Moldy. Seagulls would come and eat it. What, what possibly does this verse mean? Well, let me give you a little bit of explanation. First of all, when it says cast, that is a term that was used, a verb for like commercial trading. It has the idea that you send something off or you move it. And when he's talking about bread, he's referring to grain, one of the primary commodities that even to this very day is still sent overseas. And what he's saying is, cast your bread on the surface of the waters is to actually invest. When Israel was taking their crops that they had harvested and put them on ships, it would be referred to as casting your bread on the waters, and you will find it after many days. Now, uh, let me just tell you, if you're a farmer and you want to keep your crops safe, you harvest them and you keep them with you and you can turn them bread, and that is a safe bet. But if you want to make a lot of money, if you want to make the most of your investment of the seed that you planted and the harvested and that you harvested, you've got to learn how to diversify and to sell it. Now, Solomon, just like Israel, was, was very much involved in commercial trading. And Solomon had all these ships, and they would put their grain on it. And it, notice what it says, put it on the surface of the waters. Not just one, but multiple. It has the idea that you're going to have a plurality. It's kind of like maybe your grandparents said this to you. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket, Right? You want to spread it around. If you want to know where the idea of a diversified portfolio come from, it comes from this verse. It's the idea that you want to diversify with your investments. And that made sense. If you're putting, if you had all your grain, you didn't put a wood on one ship because there were pirates, uh, there were 
uh, some dealers that didn't have any scruples. Uh, it could, a ship could be shipwrecked and you'd lose all your investment. What you need is to put it on many ships, put it on a variety of waters, and months later, it's very possible you could reap a serious dividend if you sent out your crops. And so just like we find throughout the Bible, there'd be like a figure of speech given to kind of grab your attention. Then there is an explanation given. You saw Jesus do this with a lot of his parables. So you see Solomon here. He gives the figure of speech, chapter 11, verse 1. Verse 2, he describes it. He explains it. He says, verse 2, Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. And so what he's saying here is you want to try every avenue and add one. It's that Hebrew way of explaining something. It's X plus one. Try a wide variety of things and then do one more. And you don't know, see what it says in verse 2? You do not know how this is going to turn out. You see that? There may be all sorts of misfortune. And like even with your own current finances, you have no guarantee that the stock market is not going to take a significant drop. You don't know what's going to happen to Medicare. You're going to find out, whoa, it's not sufficient to meet all of my needs. If you are banking on Social Security it's going to run out. That's right. You don't want to do that. You, it is going to run out sooner than you think. You're going to find that there's all sorts of ways that there can be some financial misfortune that could happen to you. And so what you want to do is you diversify. So that means don't just necessarily just put all of your money into the bank. But you might want to look at stock market or mutual funds or uh, rental property. But you have a diversification and he says, because you do not know. Four times in verses 2 through 6, Solomon writes, you simply don't know. So invest your money widely, uh, wisely. But I want to tell you, be careful that you don't fall prey to the get-rich-quick scheme. I mean, these things exist. They, like you can, on TV, you see them, it's kind of late at night, and all of a sudden this commercial comes, and here's this really happy gal or fellow, and they're just saying, man, if you want to be like me, and you want to own all this property, this is what you need to do. And they tell you exactly how to give you, for you to give them their, your Visa card number, so they can help you get rich instantly. Maybe you hear it from a friend, maybe you get an email, maybe you hear it on the radio, and you want to be careful on how you invest. Invest wisely. Remember the question we learned at last week? Anybody remember what question we said? Make sure you ask this question frequently. Anybody remember? First service had it. Second service? Okay, there we go. Is it wise? You want to ask that question on a regular basis. When it comes to your finances, you want to ask the question, is it wise to do this with my money? What happens when you don't know the answer to a question? What do you, if you don't know the answer to a question, what do you guys do? Uh, okay, we're in trouble here. Okay, if you don't know the answer to a question, you pray and you ask someone who may know the answer. You go and do some legitimate research. And so let me just give you an example of this. This week, I got this email. Look at this. Bitcoin code. Ride the wave of Bitcoin and earn a guaranteed $13,000 in exactly 24 hours. Karina is going to be so happy with me. 
when she sees what I did with our money. 24 hours. I mean, ignore the fact that they don't understand basic punctuation. These folks know what to do with your money. You want to ride the wave. I mean, this is your golden opportunity, right? Friends, you want to be careful. We're all kind of laughing at that. Some of you are like, oh, no, I did this. Um, I just want to tell you from my years of counseling, every once in a while, I get a couple and one of them has taken their finances, unbeknownst to the other, invested it in some crazy scheme overseas, given, in some cases, sizable amounts of money to someone they did not know. They didn't really fully understand, but they loved the idea that I could make a lot of money quickly, and they lost it all. And I will tell you, it leads to all sorts of marital hardship, not to mention the financial hardship. Is it wise? Yeah, you could do it, but don't be a fool. And the other thing is you want to make sure that you take these verses to heart. You want to diversify your investments. I remember a meeting with a couple, and they were so certain about a particular company. They actually knew someone, high up executive. They put all of their retirement money in one company. And it worked out all right for a while until it didn't. And they literally lost everything. Friends, you want to be wise. You want to move forward by faith. If you feel like in life you're just surviving, God is giving you this principle. You want to move forward by faith. There are some things in life that are relatively predictable and some that are unpredictable. And that's what he actually highlights in verse 3. He says, if the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, whether the tree... Wherever the tree falls, there it lies. So some things are predictable. When you see, like, gray clouds, and they're super heavy, and they're just kind of close to the earth, you can guess that we're probably going to get some rain. On the other hand, when a tree falls, you're not exactly sure where it's going to fall. Some things are predictable. Some things are unpredictable. But what this, what this text is doing, coming from the world of finances, is that you want to move forward by faith. But you want to invest wisely. And that's really one of the profound beauties of the book of Ecclesiastes. It is so tied to everyday life on planet Earth. You and I deal with money all the time. Money's not evil. What we want to do, though, is we want to use the money that God has entrusted to us. We're stewards of it, managers of it. And you want to do use it wisely. Solomon was one of the wealthiest people ever to walk the face of the earth. Some of the best wisdom financially that you could ever receive still is found in the book of Proverbs and here in this passage in the book of Ecclesiastes. You want to make wise use of your time and your resources. And these principles of moving forward by faith and investing wisely, they can be extrapolated to all of life. What do you do with your resources and your time? You want to invest wisely, but you do so by moving forward by faith. Now, I think you've probably heard of the Wright brothers. Last year I read David McCullough's book on Orville and Wilbur Wright. And I think you're, you're familiar with them because, like, aren't those the guys that, invest, that invented the airplane? And they are. They are a pretty interesting story. Uh, they, didn't, they weren't educated. They had a high school education. They were very smart. Their parents kept feeding them books. And they, they became very fascinated by a wide spectrum of, of subject matters. 
They had a bike shop in Dayton, Ohio. They were mechanics. But they also were interested in, is it possible to actually create a plane of sorts that had a motor that would fly? Now, gliders had been around for a while. But the idea of actually flying with a, some motorized invention, well, that had never been accomplished. And different people had tried it, but it never had been successful. So what they did is they kept trying. They had lots of failures. They had some injuries. But in 1903, on a winter day on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, they eventually took flight and they taught the world how to fly. You see, none of that would have happened if they was like, oh, we're not going to do anything. No, they learned to move forward by faith, and they made wise investments. And when you and I develop the mentality, God wants us to move forward by faith, we start moving from just surviving life to thriving. You invest wisely. Let me show you something else, what he shows you in verses 4 through 6. You also learn to work diligently. You move forward by faith by investing wisely, but also by working diligently. Daniel Webster said this, that farmers are the founders of civilization. And I'll tell you, uh, farmers have to have great faith. I mean, they have all sorts of uncertainties in, fr- in front of them. But they can't just hope that crops happen. They've got to go out and plant seeds and harvest them. And that's what he highlights in this next verse, in verse 4. He says, He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. And here he's talking about a farmer that's just waiting for the ideal circumstances. I'm waiting for when there's no wind blowing. Irrespective of the fact that now's the time to plant, they're like, well, there's a little bit of wind. I'm going to try it maybe the next day. If you're a farmer that lives like that, you never plant. Because there's never the perfect conditions at the perfect time. You've got to work with what you have. The same can be said with reaping your harvest. You've got to get the crops out of the ground when they are ripe. But they're like, well, you know, there's some rain clouds there. I think I'm going to wait another day. No, you've got to do it when you can. And I think we all know this. If you are looking for an excuse not to do something, you can find it. Maybe this happened to you yesterday. You're like, you know, I really should exercise. You know, I go out there, but oh, oh you know, it might rain. I think I saw a raindrop, but I'm back on the couch, right? You know, I'm just kind of passed out there. You... It happens easily. If you want an excuse to not do something, you're going to find it. But God is calling us to move forward by faith. Stop procrastinating. You're never going to find perfect conditions. You're going to have to learn how to step out by faith. There's never going to be a perfect time to have kids. There's never going to be, well, I'll I'll just kind of wait until I have enough energy, and then I'm going to start spending time with the kids that I do have. I'm going to start loving my spouse Uh, When they're pretty much perfect, then I'm really going to show them how much I love them. No, you have to move forward by faith. There's the the idea that there's perfect opportunities and perfect times doesn't exist. If you're a student, you want to make the most of your opportunity now. Don't settle for settled for Christianity. If if you're not serving in any capacity, you you really don't have a ministry to others. Why? What are you waiting for? Move forward by faith. And I want you to know that we do so in a world of great uncertainty. And this is why a lot of people just see themselves as surviving. They don't understand why is it that God put me in a world where I can't fully comprehend everything. I want you to know that it is by divine design. There is a lot 
that you and I simply will not and cannot know this side of eternity. And he actually highlights that in verse 5. Look what he says. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Do you know how the wind, where it comes from, where it's going? No, you can see the effects of the wind. And you're like, well, that's the wind's blowing here. We can measure how fast the wind is going, but you don't know the, the current of the winds and how that's all working out. You don't know its path. And furthermore, you do not know how bones are fashioned in the womb of a woman. Maybe your Bible has it translated, how the spirit comes to the bones in the womb. Now, there is a lot that we have learned uh, through medical advancement and technology. But I want you to know there is so much that we don't know. Life is a miracle. And I will tell you, life is created by God. You see that in verse 5? Who makes babies and humans? It is God who makes all things. You see that in verse 5? And I'll tell you, the human body, just a human infant, an embryo, is absolutely fascinating. There is no possible way that it just could evolve, that human life just happens. It is clear from Scripture that God creates life, and all you have to do is look at the probability of human life just somehow happening that will tell you there's just no way. If you want an example of that, there's a British scientist by the name of Fred Hoyle, and he said the production of a simple organic molecule... Uh, just to evolve and happen, would be akin to a tornado going through a junkyard and forming and fashioning a fully functional Boeing 747. Does anybody think that a tornado ripping through, like our city dump here that we like to put in the newspaper, by ripping through there will create a fully functional Boeing 747? Does anybody think, like, yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I could see that happening. He goes, you need to think about this. He said, it might be possible for two pieces of like metal lying around to be naturally welded together and then two pieces more in a later whirlwind. The production of even a simple organic molecule, we're talking one, would require all of the pieces to come together at one time. Friends, I want you to be staggered by the mystery and the majesty of God. That's what this does. There is so much that we don't understand But what we do know is that God creates life. He creates all things, and he has placed us in this world of mystery. And it's meant to cultivate a sense of awe in our lives. And so what we have to do is we have to learn how to trust him. We have to learn to put our faith in him who knows all things and creates all things. And we learn to thrive by moving forward by faith. And look what he says in verse 6. And this is really what he's driving at here. Look what he says. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening. If you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. You don't know how it's all going to work out. You don't know where the wind's coming from, where, where it's going. You don't know how the tree's going to fall. There's a lot you don't know. You don't know about how bones are formed in the mother's womb. 
But don't let all of the uncertainties and all of the unknowns stop you from moving forward by faith. And so he says, get up, get out of bed, and start planting the seeds. And keep working and keep doing it all the way until the evening. You don't know what will succeed. Maybe none of it. Maybe some of it. Maybe all of it will, he says. But you'll never know unless you move forward by faith. And really, when you come to like verses like verse 5, these are verses that strongly speak of the sovereignty of God. That he's in control and he does things that are beyond our comprehension. And when it comes to the sovereignty of God, it's not like... You take your shovel, you stick it into the ground, and you pray for a hole. I'm like, well, God's just going to make the hole. No. Do not let the sovereignty of God be your excuse for inactivity. Let it be your comfort. I'm moving forward by faith, and I am trusting in God, and I'm going to leave the results with Him. So often what happens is, though, we start finding ourselves in this paralysis analysis. We're... We're just not sure um, how it's all going to work out. And so we keep processing and thinking. And friends, you do want to fully engage your mind. But you also have to come to a place where you move forward by faith. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God have to tell you what to do? Does, does he have to actually spell out everything that you're going to do? Is he going to do that? Okay, now we've asked a good question because you're like, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I'd like him to. But does he? Well, let's talk about this for a minute. When it comes to moral choices, right and wrong, God explicitly describes and defines morality, and he gives it to us in the Bible. He is the one who creates morality. He's the Lord of the universe. And he's actually told us what's right and wrong. So if you've got questions about, like, drunkenness and sexual morality and lying and stealing, things like that, guess what? He has absolute clarity. You don't have to guess. He has given it to us in his word. Furthermore, he's even giving you a conscience that just kind of goes off every time you violate it. So when it comes to right and wrong choices, he gives us great clarity. But when it comes to like personal choices, like should I go to the right or to the left? Should I get fries with my burger? Uh, should I buy this car or that car? What college I go? God doesn't actually spell it out in his word. You need to understand that you can't be always asking God for the no-fault deal because that's not how he operates. There's not a 900 number that you can call, like some sort of psychic hotline to get your fortune told and like, should I do these sort of things? That's not how God operates. When it comes to personal choices, God gives us freedom. And let me tell you how you make these choices. You pray, Lord, would you give me wisdom and guidance? You might find that oftentimes God will impress your heart to a particular direction or a particular choice. You might find that uh, as you're thinking it through and you're asking wisdom for others, that God will actually give you wisdom. And it seems that this probably should be the path that I'm going. That's kind of how God works. You make thoughtful, prayerful decisions. But at some point, you have to decide and you have to move forward. So, like, for instance, let's say you're single but you'd like to get married. So what do you do? Well, I'll tell you, you, you want to comb your hair. You want to brush your teeth, right? These, this is what you want to do. And you want to hang out with godly people. Probably some of the best marriage advice to get married I can give you is this. Move 
forward by faith. You start walking with God, growing as a Christian, start reaching out, and then as you're doing that, start looking from side to side and see if there is someone from the opposite sex that is moving in the similar direction. That would be a great person to be tied together for a lifetime with. But friends, you have to realize that in this life, we're going to take some risks. It happens pretty frequently. I mean, it happens like your years in college. You don't know if there's going to be that perfect job waiting for you. You don't even know if there'll be opportunity within your major. But you still go through with it. it we see taking risks and buying a house, whether we're traveling, food that we're eating. You need a surgeon. You pray. You get wisdom. But you're going to need to make a choice. And that's what we find here. Solomon is saying, you don't know how this is all going to work out, but you sow your seed and you move forward by faith. You've heard this phrase, nothing ventured, nothing, that's right, nothing gained. You know, if you don't ever shoot a basket, do you know that you will never score? Do you know that? If you don't shoot a basket, you will never score. Actor John Wayne once said this, courage is being scared to death but saddling up anyway. And friends, that's what life is like. You don't have all the answers. There may be some things that you're fearful of, but you move forward by faith. And you want to plan in such a way that there are going to be some surprises along the way that when the unexpected happens, it doesn't devastate you. And so even your best laid plans, sometimes they don't work out quite the way you might have thought they would. And I also want to just say this, since we're talking about the subject of moving forward by faith, don't avoid blessings because of some concerns you can think that may come with them. So, for instance, don't say, well, I can't get married because if I get married, there's a possibility that I may have some serious difficulty with my spouse at some point. I want you to know something. It's going to happen. You are going to have some serious difficulties, but don't prevent that from having you get married. Some people say, well, you know, you can't have children because there's a small chance that they might be born with a birth defect, so we can't. Or, you know, I'm thinking about going into business, but, you know, it's possible that my business could fold, and so you're stalemated. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it could happen. But what this text is driving at is in the midst of the certain uncertainties of life, you and I must move forward by faith. On a few occasions, I get to visit my parents who now live in Spokane, Washington. Uh, when I'm in their home, I go to my dad's office that, that he has in this home. And uh, behind his desk, he's got this print of Theodore Roosevelt. And he has this excerpt from a speech that Theodore Roosevelt uh, gave in France in 1910. Uh, this excerpt has become known as the man in the arena. And I just want to read it to you. I, let these words sink in. Roosevelt said, It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, 
who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. How do you go from surviving to thriving? You move forward by faith. Invest wisely, work diligently, but move forward by faith. And then notice what else Solomon says. If you want to go from surviving to thriving, not only do you move forward by faith, but you need to learn to enjoy all that you can. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, The light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many, and everything that is to come will be futility. What he's saying is this is an affirmation to the joy of life. Life, despite its uncertainties, is still a great adventure and a great joy. And if you've been tracking as we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, this is now the sixth time that he calls you, compels you, enjoy life. This isn't a call to hedonism where you just kind of like live your life foolishly. Rather, this is a call to enjoy God and the blessings he gives, even the simple pleasures of life, to enjoy them fully, to accept them and receive them as the gifts that they are. And when he says that darkness is coming, you know, uh, I want you to know that he's not talking about like death. He's talking about that there is a point in life where things don't quite work the way they once did with your human body. Your bodies break down. Things aren't functioning kind of the way we had wanted them, wanted them to function. I'm certainly not like I was when I was 20. And you might be realizing this. But I want you to know that life has all sorts of blessings at every age. Age has a lot of benefits. They find that people, as they grow older, do you know they actually grow more and more content? They have a far better perspective on life. They're not stressed out about all the little things because they've been around the block. Um, when you're, as you're going older, you know, think of it this way. You're like a day closer to being with the Lord forever. There is a, a lady, 102 years old, and she was asked this question, what are some of the benefits of living to age 102? And so she paused and then she said this, well, there is no peer pressure, okay? And you're at 102? I want you to know there are benefits. And I don't care, I don't care how much Metamucil or Rogaine you're taking, you cannot find some sort of fountain of youth. There is no growth hormone that you're going to take that's going to reverse aging. But do not let that keep you from enjoying life. What does this text say? Please look at verse 8. He says, rejoice in them. What does your Bible say? All. When you're in your 70s and your 80s, 90s, let's say you're breaking the 100 mark. He says, rejoice in them all. Find enjoyment however you can. And how do you do that? How do you enjoy life at every age? Let me just give you a very two simple practices. One, enjoy the routines of life. To enjoy life, you don't need to have it filled with the exotic and the things that are highly expensive. Rather, it's in the ordinary nature of life, in the mundane, even the trivial, 
that we actually find the will of God for you and me. What happens is God is in the details. He wants you to enjoy just the simple routines of life, to enjoy him in the midst. And then the second thing I'll pass on to you is look to be as grateful as you can. If you really want to be a joyful person, you have to become a grateful person. Try it. Look for all the different ways that you can be thankful. You might be surprised just how blessed you are. And the grateful person is the joyful person. But friends, like the text says, you want to get this process started early. You want to experience God's joy from a very early age. You do not want to have this experience. You do not want to agree with Sophocles, the ancient Greek playwriter, who wrote this. One must wait until the evening to see how splendid the day has been. That is a sorry situation that you come to your end of your life and you're sitting there on your rocking chair and you realize, I missed it. Life was splendid. And I, it just, it went by. I was too fearful. I didn't move forward in faith. And I, I never really enjoyed it. And here I am. And things are breaking down. And the end of this life is near, friends. You want to enjoy all that you can. And if you really want to enjoy all that you can in this life, the best thing that you can do is be prepared for the next life in eternity. If you know where you're going because who you are trusting, when you have a Savior from sin and a Lord of life that has risen from the grave, you come to this place where you can relax and you can truly rejoice and you can enjoy the life that God has given you because you're united with the Lord of life, Jesus himself. Jesus said, John 16, verse 33, he said this, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. You want to know this, in the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. In this world, trouble. In this world, unknowns, the unexpected, uncertainty. In the world, you got trouble, but in me, you've got peace. So move forward by faith and enjoy all that you can. You see, when we go from surviving to thriving when we move forward by faith and we enjoy all that we can. Remember when Jesus was giving the parable of the talents? Remember he called some of his guys together and said, listen, going on a trip. I'm going to give you some talents, some money, some resources. And he gave different resources to different folks. He says, I want you to go invest this. Do everything you can. And I'm going to come back. And some of the guys, they did exactly what Jesus said. They took some risks. They moved forward by faith. Yeah, they had some fears and some unknowns. But lo and behold, man, it worked out far better than they ever expected. When the master returned, whoa, like, well, you gave us this. And this is yours in return. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Remember that? But of course, there was this one fella. You know... I don't know if he's really coming back, the whole idea of the Lord coming back. Uh, I, frankly, I'd like to just keep it for myself, all buried in the ground. And that, you remember when uh, the master came to this particular guy? You know, he had some pretty serious consequences, negative consequences in his life. Because the guy never thought he would be held accountable for the opportunities that he had been given. You don't want to be like that. So you move forward by faith and you enjoy all that you can. 
And I'll tell you, one of the best ways of doing that with your life is see all of your life as a ministry, all of life as worship. You want to be a fully integrated person. It's not just what I do at the church as my ministry. No, everything that I do is a ministry and it's a worship to the Lord. And that's what you want to do. Because friends, life is passing. And God wants you to go from surviving to thriving. And you do that when you move forward by faith and you enjoy all that you can. This week, Billy Graham, 99 years old, made entrance into glory. And he's a highly admired guy. I mean, obviously there are a few folks that are some detractors. But there's been a lot that's been written and said about this man and his homecoming. In 2005, on his final crusade in New York, he did an interview with Sean Hannity. And Sean Hannity asked him this question. How would you like to be remembered? And he replied in part this way. I want people to remember me that I was faithful. Faithful to the gospel. Faithful to the call that God gave me. What a great way to live. Friends, we go from surviving to thriving when we move forward by faith and we enjoy all that we can. Let's pray. Lord, only you could write a passage like this. And Lord, you know the difficulties of our life, all the uncertainties, how we want answers. And yet you have spelled it out with clarity in your word. And we are to move forward by faith, investing wisely, working diligently, and enjoying all that we can. And Father, for someone here who's come, and it's not just even survival, they are realizing the full implications of life apart from you, the consequences of sin, and the need for life. Would they just pray with me and say, Lord, this morning I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm asking forgiveness of sins. And by virtue of your resurrected life, I'm asking for true spiritual life, leading, guidance, hope for today and for forever. And Lord, for all of us, help us to walk in your joy, to make the most of our days, and to move forward by faith, leaving the results with you. We do so trusting in your Son, for your glory, and in Jesus' name, amen.